to the Father. We thank you for the name of Jesus. We thank you for angelic assistance. We thank you for the blood that speaks better things. We thank you that we can call you Father. And most importantly, we thank you that you call us your children. We pray that may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. We thank God for the gift of life. We thank him for qualifying us, for counting us worthy to see another 24 hours. And as long as he has counted us worthy, he would work the works of him who has sent us. While it is day, for the night season of our life would come, where we will not be able to work. So tonight we thank God and we thank you for joining us on this study. And we'll be looking at some of, or we'll be looking at a series that we like to title, Who is My Neighbor? Who is My Neighbor? It's a discourse Jesus had with a lawyer, an expert of the law. And I hope that we know that in Bible times, a lawyer is not the kind of lawyer we have today. But the law they were studying was the law of Moses. And when we say a lawyer in those times, we are talking about those people who had studied and mastered and memorized the law of Moses. So we are looking at what people also um, like to call the parable of the good Samaritan. That's the most famous way people know it as. But we would want to call it, who is my neighbor? Because of the angle we want to approach tonight's study with. So we will look at our scripture for perusal, which will be from the gospel according to Luke chapter 10, the verse 25. Luke 10, the verse 25. And I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How thou readest thou? And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. Do this, and thou shalt live. Verse 29. But he willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, Who is my neighbor? And verse 30, and Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his, his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, there came a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at this place, came and looked upon him. As for the priest, he didn't look, he just passed by. But the Levites looked upon him 
and passed on the other side. Verse 23. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came there where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Verse 34. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him upon his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pennies and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I would repay thee. Verse 36. Which now of these three thinkest thou was a neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Verse 37. And he answered and said, he that showed mercy unto him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do likewise. What a nice story. There's so much to say in this story, but let's see what we can be able to study. So <clears throat> we want to just look at what led to the story itself. For tonight, we won't really look at the story into details, but we'll look at just the earlier part of the story. So let's just start. Let's go back to the verse 25. The Bible says, A certain lawyer came, and he was seeking to tempt Jesus. Thus he asked him a question. And it's, it's what struck me as I began to look into this verse. The question was not a question for an answer. The question was not a question because he genuinely needed answers. But he was seeking to tempt Jesus. He was seeking to make Jesus utter a false statement, utter something that he can use against him. Many people are asking questions they don't want answers to, but they are asking questions for other reasons. And just this, for some few weeks, I've been doing a little bit reading around the DNA about the genome of a, of a human beings. And I came across what happened in 2003 when George Bush and yeah, sponsored um, an investigation to sequence the genome of a human being, and I think it was of humans, and it was done across about five countries, and some of the findings that came out from them. And I just look at just some small evidence that this study or this research brought out, and I kept asking myself, what other evidence do these people need to believe in the existence of God? Because understanding the DNA sequence of human beings alone is more than enough, not understanding, but just getting a peep into it, is more than enough evidence that you ever need. Because if all these people know with all their intelligence, they know that just like the computer programming or a computer code made up of ones and zeros, so in similar fashion is the human gene which codes for the behavior of human beings in the same fashion. And instead of it being codes of ones and zeros, for human beings, it's A, T, C, and G. I don't want to mention all the, the details, but so if you don't have a sign background, just pardon me. And yet still, they make arrogant and boldly arrogant statements that until they can prove the existence of this goal, which they have already done, and they keep doing time and time and time again. And my point is that Whichever proof they are looking to do, if they can prove God with whatever method they want to do, 
would they want to submit their lives to an entity they can prove? Would you want to jump? Would you want to put your destiny? Would you want to put your, the existence of your life on this earth and after into an entity that can be proven by you? Then I should think it should rather be the other way around. If I can prove this entity in the way they are looking to seek to prove, I should rather be that entity's God. I should rather be that entity's Lord. But yet still, these same people, when they come up, they sound so intelligent. They sound so high-minded. They sound so genuine in their quest, in their supposed quest to know the truth, which they already know. So Jesus, in responding to their man, is saying that, you are asking me a question that you already know the answer to because you consistently expose yourself to the law of Moses. And there is no means that you won't have come across the answer to the question you are looking for. Oh, you see, sometimes we ask questions we know the answer to. And the people come and ask me questions. I remember some few weeks ago, a lady had an issue and she came to ask me a question. And I looked at her and I said, Sister, you know very well what to do. If you are looking for me to confirm to you to do otherwise in the name of innocence, which both of us know you were not innocent, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Because right before your eyes, the answer or what you are supposed to do is right before you. But yet still, we are trying to justify ourselves. So when the lawyer posed the question to Jesus, he realized that now the tables are turned because he was seeking to put Jesus on the spot. But here, Jesus is now putting him on the spot. And he gave a fantastic answer. So now when he realized that he couldn't stand Jesus, he was like, okay, now let me ask him a question so that in answering, um, it is people believe or commentary has it that he wanted to prove to those around that indeed he was doing what the law had told or what the law instructs they do. Therefore, he had, or therefore, he would have eternal life. Because he said, do this and you will live. Other verse says, do this and you have eternal life. So now the guy had developed that the tables had turned. So now he now wanted to capitalize on the moment to prove to all those around him that indeed he had eternal life because their supposed good works were done clearly to all and all around to testify how pious and sanctimonious this law expert scribes Pharisees were. So now he went on to say that if I should love God, God here, in their estimation of loving God is by how well they pay their tithe or how religious they pay their tithe, how religious they fast, how religious they pray. And for them, it was a normal lifestyle. So that wasn't a big deal. But now the big deal was how they express love to people. And now he trying to play smart, said that Moses says I should love my neighbor. But now the issue is I don't know who my neighbor is. So he asked the question, which we are going to peruse tonight. Who is my neighbor? Who is the one or who am I supposed to demonstrate love to? Who am I supposed to? to exert the love of God to? And that is the question we are going to look. And that's the question many of us are asking. Because many of the time, many people ask the question, who am I supposed to include, let's say, pay my tithe or give my tithe to? Who am I supposed? We always ask that question. So many people, in their opinion, they think that they would rather give their tithe to include a person in need than to the church. 
people have that idea that the money I'll give to this, let me rather give it to that. So I realized that many people don't have a problem in demonstrating a particular act, but that issue is who will be the recipient of the act. I think I shared on this podcast um, some months ago about how I was in a company of senior colleague workers, and they were talking about, I think, a former and their former boss, how during the COVID season, he still made these people work. They were still going to work, and he denied them of salary. In fact, he told them to write a letter why he needed to pay them. <laughs> Somebody who insisted that they still do the normal duties they were doing before COVID. And now when it was time of the month to pay, he's telling them that bring me a letter explaining to me why I should pay you. But this same person came on national team. I'm talking about the real story in story. In fact, his wife came on national TV and made donation to market women who at that time were not affected by COVID because per what was going on in Ghana, if we are dealing in food, you are still allowed to go to work because we need the food to survive. So the market women were not restricted by COVID and none of them lost their jobs because they were all self-employed people. But their wife came on national TV to make a donation to people who were not in need of their donation. And likewise, the husband, he came on TV to, to make hefty sum of donations just to get the appeals and the applauses of men. So then you realize that giving out money or making donations is not necessarily their problem. But the people who are recipients of the donation is what the issue is. And that was what the man wanted to prove. Because obviously this man was giving arms. Obviously this man was in court doing good. Obviously, he was showing some sort of compassion to people. But the issue was the selectiveness by which he does that. And he's seeking to prove himself. He's seeking to let his other lawyers and other colleagues around him know how he's a papa, (laughs) how he is a possessor of eternal life. Ask the question, who is my neighbor? Who is the one who qualifies to receive my act of love. Then Jesus told the story that there was a certain man. It's interesting how Jesus did not give the identity of this person. Because you realize that with the exception of this man and the innkeeper, everybody else is identified one way or the other. In fact, the innkeeper himself was identified because he was an innkeeper. So you realize that every other play actor or every other actor in this story was identified one way or the other. The only identity we have for this person was that he was a man. (laughs) And the Bible said that there was a certain man who took a route from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, I don't go into the details of the cultural setting in the West, but then from the little study, you realize that that particular route that the person took was a road that was known to be a haven of attacks. It was a place that had the of being a place where a lot of people suffer from armed robbers. In fact, there's a particular way that rule is named. People had the name for it, the way of blood, because almost always there were incidents on that road. So people or some theologians said that among the people of the, is they used to call that road the way of blood. And another suspicious thing from that journey is that the man was moving from Jerusalem to Jericho, which is a very unlikely and an unusual journey to take. 
But the issue that because we don't know the identity of a man, we can't be so sure. Because if the person was a Jew, which is very likely, it is strange for a Jew to move from Jerusalem to Jericho. You know, for me in particular, whenever I see, unless they had mission, because whenever you see, I remember I was with someone and we were in a public transport in Ghana, and we saw a white and European in a public transport. And we are looking at this guy that, why would you leave your country to come and come here and come and do what? And you have come here to, you know, get sitting some nice guy and have somebody chauffeur you around. You are in a public transport, which you call truck truck. <laughs> so whenever we see people like that, we always unconsciously or consciously ask the question, what are you doing here? How did you find yourself in this location? And it was in a similar way that this certain man, a man with an unknown identity, and that is very important because Jesus wants us to understand that the identity of the person doesn't matter. That is why for me in particular, I don't really get to an extent the debate of a guy marrying a lady he he's older than in the name of respect because they are like if for ladies the woman is older than you it makes respect or submission an issue then the other one comes about finances i want to earn more than my woman or than my wife there's no problem to have that desire to earn more but if your motive is so that she would respect you then both of you are having issues because i will not want that's me personally <laughs> I would not want to be with a woman who only respects me because I, I came to the world three years or four years or five years or whatever years before the person. Neither would I want to be with a woman who would only respect me because I make more money than her. And that's what many of us don't realize. The reason why many of us have that yearning is because subconsciously we want to dominate or be bossy over the woman. So whenever, in our opinion, the woman does not submit to us. Then we want to play the financial card. That, hey, in case you are not aware, I'm the one footing the bills. In case you are not aware, I'm the one putting the roof over your head. How can this be love? So secretly, many of us want to manipulate our women or our wives or whichever term. In fact, it's only our wives. You can't use it. There's no any other term again. <laughs> that is why people have that motion. And as I said earlier, I would run away from a woman who would only respect me because of my age. I would want a woman who is respectful. And being respectful is a nature. It does not depend on the recipient of your respect. So a respectful woman would respect someone she is older than, someone who is a mate, and someone who is older than her because that is her nature. A respectful woman would respect everybody regardless of stature. And it should, be, it should be funny the way you see it, the way we the men do it. When we meet, uh, I think, I, I don't know whether it's a joke, a video or a writing, the way we men behave when we meet people, in quote, who are more financially stable than us or who are in place of, of authority, the same man who can be bossy and so domineering, when he meets maybe his boss or a, a leader, Hey, yes, I'm master. Yes, I'm master. Hey, Papa. Oh, hey, singer man. Also, funny accolades. <laughs> but I would want to be with a man who would only respect people because of their financial standing. And it's for this reason why Jesus ignored out the identity of the man because that is not what is important. 
if you are a man of love, you are a man of love. You are not selected in your love. That is why the Bible says in John 3.16 that for God so loved the world. God did not love the Jews. God did not love the Gentiles. God did not love the Galileans. God did not love Asians. God did not love Europeans, but he loved the world of men, irrespective of the person, irrespective of the, the color of their skin, irrespective of their race, irrespective of who their grandfather was. Because that is who he is. He loves the world. So Jesus said, a certain man took a particular journey. And on this journey, he had an encounter with armed robbers. And the Bible says that they dealt with him and they left him half dead. And the Bible says that three groups of people passed by. One was a priest, the main guy. And I'm likely to assume that he wasn't the high priest, high priest there be, senior most man, but at least a priest was somebody who works in the temple, who maintains the temple, but does not have access into the Holy of Holies. So a priest came by, and you see, for now, Jesus identified the group of people who are passing by. And as for the priest, <laughs> let's look at how the priest responded. That is in the verse 31. He said, and by chance, I love this, there came down a certain priest that passed that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. <laughs> and verse 32, likewise, a Levite. And when he saw him at the place, so the priest there, the senior man, he there, he didn't even look at him. He just realized that somebody was lying there. For him, he didn't even take the effort to look at who it was. He just passed by. But the verse 32, and a Levite came to that same place. As for the Levite, he was a little bit compassionate. He looked upon him and passed by. So he wanted filler. As for the Levite, he wanted to know, is this my classmate? Is this somebody I know? When you look on him, they were actually, I don't know this person. I don't have any filler. I don't have any gossip to give to the town people that, hey, I saw my mate. I saw my senior in school. I saw my junior. When he realized that there was no relevant information from this person, he also passed by. And the Bible says that there a certain Samaritan came. And as for this Samaritan, we will look at what happened or what the Samaritan did to the certain man who has been wounded. But tonight's episode, we are not looking at the priests. We are not looking at the Levites. Neither are we looking at the Good Samaritan. But we just want to focus on briefly. Tonight's study is quite short on the fact that this certain man took a road several other people took. But he was the one who was attacked. This certain man took the same road people took and just tonight as i was in my room preparing a bit i was listening to the news and there's a particular road in ghana <laughs> the Accra kumasi highway it's as it's as terrible as any highway could possibly be and accidents keep happening on that road and just this evening a bus containing i think soccer players young people had an accident on that road then as i was just preparing and i, I could just hear the voice from the radio saying this road, everybody has been passing on this road. And God just ministered to me that this is the same road you all, almost every Ghanaian at one point in your life, you would use the Accra Kumasi Highway. But it was just this certain man who was attacked by robbers. And it, God just ministered to me how many of us are taking the same road 
that people are taking. Even though we are not experiencing the same consequences as they are. And because we lose sight of this, that is why we don't have compassion on people. Because when you come to the realization that you are taking a path or you have once taken a path that people have suffered from, you will know that it is just by the grace of God that you do not experience the same things they experience. Then you would realize that our lives are a product of the mercies and the goodness of God. But the priest looked upon, in fact, the priest did not even look upon the man because somehow the priest thought that it may have been the duty or the decision of the man. That is why he suffered at the arms of the armor. But forgetting that the same decision that certain man took that landed him half dead is the same decision the priest is taking, the Levite is taking. But they were all concerned about the situation of the man. And tonight this God's word to us, who is your neighbor? Who is my neighbor? My neighbor is that person taking the same route I take or have once taken without suffering, without me suffering the consequences of this that person. Yet, I decide not to help the person. Who is my neighbor? My neighbor is that person taking the same route as I have once taken or as I am taking. Yet, I am not suffering the consequences of that person. You know, sometimes, I think I've shared it in last week or last two weeks podcast, but almost every evening around a particular time, I listen to... Um, a relationship show and I just listen to the stories and I'm like this could have been anybody frankly speaking I remember one day I was reading one of my spiritual instructors and he was talking about the need to always have somebody senior a good person a Mordecai now I can use that kind of thing he was always talking about the need to always have a Mordecai in your life because listen, I think I've also shared on the podcast before. No matter how mature you think you are now, five years time, ten years time, you will look back and you realize how immature you were. So at this age, maybe you are 28, you are 30, you are 22, you think you are mature, you think you know what's up, you think you are updated to know the right choices to make, to know how to identify all the red flags and the green flags and the yellow flags in people. When you fail to realize that you could, if I thought you could, that you missed so many things about the person. So my spiritual instructor was saying that when you look back at the or a wife, they, because it could have really literally gone anyhow. Like it was a probability. Because he realized that the many things he should have considered that he knows now. If he was considering it now, when he was choosing a wife, he would have chosen a lady. And sometimes I believe it is good that God makes us choose at that age. Because if we know what we know at a particular age, we will not choose anybody to marry because we will be so critical in who we choose. Then if the person coughs, we say, oh, uh, I know, I heard women, if they cough like this, uh, they are are deadly. We become too critical. That is why there's always a need for a Mordecai 
to help you in choosing or in making your choices. Nonetheless, people might have had Mordecai or due to certain circumstances, they are making or the factors that they looked at when saying yes to somebody was the same factors you also considered. But for them, it didn't end up in a happy ever after. But when you decide to turn a blind eye to people taking the same route as you are, then you are failing to realize that that person is your neighbor. When you fail to realize how several months, weeks, years ago, you were an unbeliever, Paul said that in time past, you were foolish, senseless, disobedient people, children of wrath. But now God has saved us. One time, we were walking on the same road that people are walking on, and yet we are deciding to be like the priests and like the Levites. We are being unconcerned about the pain people are going through. People are half dead all around us. Yet, like the priests, like the Levites, we are just passing on. That is why there is no excuse that can convince God why we don't preach the gospel. And when I mean preach the gospel, I don't mean taking a megaphone, standing by a highway. You can't do that. Nobody's talking. Or I don't mean starting your church. Or I don't mean doing door to door. But I mean when you come across or when you take the path or when your path crosses with somebody who is half dead on a path you have once taken or you are currently taking and you decide to turn a blind eye to the person, they are behaving like the priests. That is why whenever we see unbelievers, our hearts should go out for them because we also, in time past, were also walking on the highway to hell. Honey, there are half-dead people all around you. There are people in pain all around you. And sometimes you yourself, you know it, because sometimes you have been in a certain pain even though you go to work or you go to school putting up a smile, but you know how you are battling with things internally, how you are battling in things behind closed doors. And there are people all around us who are half there and they are just looking for a good Samaritan. So my question to you tonight, or God's question to us tonight, is that who will you be? Are you a high priest or are you a priest? As for you, don't even realize what is going on. You don't even bother to look at who that person is. If the person is even your friend, in fact, you don't care because that person could have really been a relative of the priest, but he does not bother. Or would you be a Levite? You are only stretching your neck to look so that you can go back and say, hey, can you remember Amma? Amma, our classmate, hmm, I saw her. Now, if you see her state, See, I was saying it too. I was saying it. These people, hmm, are you a Levite that is stretching out your neck? Maybe not only to gossip, maybe he was looking whether it was a relative. If it was a relative or a fellow Levite or a priest, he might have helped. So he was stretching. Hey, is it my family member? No, 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 I don't care. Is it my friend? Is it my lover? No, not my lover. I don't care. And he just looked on and he passed the other way. But a Samaritan, and next week we will look at why Jesus decided to use a Samaritan, a man who does not fully belong to any group because he's like half co or half caste. A half caste among the blacks, he's seen as a white man. And among the whites, he's seen as a black man. And that's where we want to leave it off for tonight. The start of God willing next week. 
But my question is, who is your neighbor? The Hebrew say that men die in darkness at our side without a hope to cheer the tomb. Speed, speed thy work. Cast slot away. It is not thus that souls are warm. Do not be unconcerned about your siblings who are walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. Do not be unconcerned about the colleagues at work who are walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. Do not be unconcerned about your mates who are walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. Because remember, in time past, you took that same road as they did. But as for you, you did not suffer the same consequences as they did. You know, sometimes when I look at people, or when I look at children or younger people, and sometimes I say, oh, this person, because he stays with the uncle and the auntie, and the parents are in abroad, that's why the person turned up this way. But there are several other people. In fact, I always even give myself as an example. I and my siblings, we all had the same upbringing, by the same parents, by the same circumstances. But yet, we do not all turn out the same. And it would be unwise of me to look at them unconcerned and just pass on. We want to just spend some time in prayer. We are asking God, may we realize who our neighbor is. That was the question the man asked. That set in motion the response of Jesus. Who is my neighbor? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We pray for a heart of the good Samaritan. We pray for the heart of Jesus. The songwriter says, a heart like yours, it's our desire. A heart like yours, who did not decide to enjoy the luxury of being one with the Father, but he laid aside his majesty, his strip of divinity, he took upon himself the form of a man. He took upon himself the weak stature of this flesh. And for he enveloped himself in this bundle of weakness. He suffered at the hands of those he had created. He was rejected and alone. He was put on by people he created just because he could not watch unconcerned. Father, we pray for this heart. We pray for this desire. We pray for this concern. Many of us, our dreams are too small. It only has you inside of it. So many of our dreams is how, how you want to travel with your family to vacations, how you want to own a car or own cars, how you want to, because your dream is too small. It only, only you can fit into your dream. But that is not the heartbeat of Jesus. He is looking for a family. He is looking for a household, people from all across, different tribes, different towns, different generations. And may God give us this desire that we not look on concern to people who are half dead all around us. In the name of our Lord Jesus, Amen. Wow. We thank God for this word that renews our minds. And we pray for grace that we will not be forgetful here. That after we have looked into our face in the perfect law of liberty, we will not forget that our neighbor is that person who is taking the same route 
that we are taking or that we want to without suffering the consequences, without we suffering the consequences that they suffered. See you next week. And remember, remember that before the year ends, to continue to give God your best. And just as a good Samaritan, we owe no man nothing but love. See you next week as we do the past two. Who is my neighbor? Bye bye.